0: Welcome to the eighth episode of With You in Mind. My name is Lisa, the founder of Brain Buddy, and today I'm going to be your host. Before we get started, just a big shout out to our sponsor, the National Brain Appeal, who are the charity that supports the National Hospital for Neurology and Neurosurgery in London. And of course, they're also the sponsors of the With You In Mind podcast. Without them, none of this would be possible. If you don't know who they are or what they do, then do check them out at www.thenationalbrainappeal.org, and you can find out about everything they do on their website. Now today I've got a very, very special guest joining me. I've got Jonathan Hart with me. Jonathan has over 20 years experience in the NHS as a registered nurse working in emergency care, critical care also, with the majority of his time spent in the neurocritical care unit at the National Hospital for Neurology and neurosurgery. Jonathan has a wealth of experience and some of the stuff that he's going to share with you is really, really interesting. So as always, sit back, relax, get yourself a drink, uh, make yourself comfortable. Let's cue that jingle and get this episode started. Okay, welcome Jonathan. It's great to have you here.
1: How are you doing? I'm um, I'm well, thanks. Yep. Um come towards the end of the week. Oh, uh, or another another busy week and uh, looking forward to the weekend.
0: It's always a
1: good feeling, isn't it, Friday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh I think I've I've already got plans. I think my son's playing rugby, um, so I'm gonna go watch him play Brighton College and then um, I think yeah, Sunday would just be a best day for me.
0: Mm, that'll be nice just to, oh yeah decompress and i guess process everything you've that's gone on this week it's always hard isn't it? it's why i think start of the year to to ease ourselves in we try to but it's always like a bit shocking and a bit frazzling initially i think anyway
1: yeah yeah especially after the, the christmas period and all that december hype um you know building up to christmas busy shops like i was in the other day the shop i think oh it's nice to be quiet again, <laughs> rather um, than having a massive queue uh, at the till. Um,
0: gyms aren't there. I went to the gym the other day. It's absolutely packed. So they're they're not quiet. Everyone's at the gym, aren't they?
1: No. Yeah. That that that's um, annoying thing. It's, it's the usual um, New Year do me, and to some extent that's fantastic. Some people will keep it up, and yeah, the more the merry, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So look, I've done uh, I've done an intro about you and and all of your experience in being an epilepsy nurse, but one of the things I'm really keen to hear myself and for the listeners to hear is is what drew you to this sort of like path this this career in supporting people with epilepsy. Where does where did that come from? That drive. Um.
1: So yeah, I was I, I finished my levels when I was 18, and um, I took a gap year with a view of going to do physiotherapy. So I went and become a, an auxiliary nurse or healthcare assistant with my local hospital. And um, yeah, in that time I kind of you know, got a lot of exposure and caring for people with acute illness and um, I was observing what the nurses were doing in the um, in the hospital and also the physiotherapists but I was really drawn to the, the treatments that, and, and the care that the nurses were providing and how... Um, kind of like involved they were in making people well in conjunction with the, the medical team so yeah after the decision I decided to you know pursue nursing I did my three years um training after which I went into um accident emergency um at my local hospital and um yeah I I thoroughly enjoyed my my time there and in order to develop more I moved into the general intensive care I um yeah whilst I've been working in the um emergency departments i've had a lot of exposure in looking after people with a variety of conditions and in particular uh, people with epilepsy who have come in because of you know a deterioration in the condition in some cases they've been in what we call status epilepticus, so I've treated them from an emergency perspective um in in the a and um yeah also. Yeah, my experiences in the intensive care have meant that I've looked after them over a long period of time. Um, it's particularly my role at the um, National Hospital for Neurology and Neurosurgery in the um, neurocritical care unit, um, where we looked after people um, in status for a variety of reasons. Um, and yeah, I then went to um, UCLH emergency department for a little while. Uh, before my uh, current job that I'm in now came up, I seen a vacancy and I felt, with all the experience that I've got in caring for people with epilepsy, in an acute setting and, and uh, in intensive care, I felt it would be um, beneficial for myself to see um, and you know treat people with the condition from an outpatient perspective especially in terms of you know being able to talk with them and understand their condition more. Um, because my previous roles have generally uh, involved me and a medical team you know, making decisions on their behalf because they've not necessarily been in a position to decide it. So, yeah, this role has really opened my eyes to the um, impact that epilepsy ha- can have on individuals. And, um, mm. yeah, I'm kind of passionate now to uh, try and... My best to you know, improve myself, and in that respect, improve the um, you know uh, the lives of those with epilepsy as much as possible. And I work in a fantastic hospital such as the National, which is a world-class centre for research and excellence. And um, I'm learning a lot from the team that I'm with at the moment. So yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And like you said, you work in one of the world leading hospitals that, that specialises in epilepsy. But as lucky as you are to work there, I think they're really lucky to have you with your passion for this this, this subject. Yeah. It's it's really really. I can hear it in your voice when you talk about it. The, the passion and desire to help others is definitely there. What I what I picked up on in in what you were saying there was. I feel like you've seen epilepsy um in in patients in its most severest form through your career like having worked in accident emergency and and the intensive care unit so you've seen the almost like the worst side of epilepsy the the worst seizures that people that people can have yeah. but would you just mind explaining sort of the spectrum of epilepsy so the very mild to i suppose the most severe so that listeners can understand the epilepsy isn't just like it doesn't just manifest as one seizure in one way, it's a whole spectrum of different seizures. Yeah, um,
1: so some people will probably relate to what I say and they might experience it not realizing, and perhaps what I'll say will be a bit educational in that respect. Um, and you know, generally speaking, there is a variety of epilepsy types, and um, yeah, people will have just absent seizures, other people have what's called a generalized tonic seizure. Um, Myclonic, abs my jerks, myclonic my seizures, um, atonic seizures, where people just fall straight to the floor. So there's a variety of, of seizures, and um, in um, yeah, some cases people also have uh, what's called a, a vocal seizure with, with or without awareness, and that can pro- progress to bilateral tonic clonic um, seizure. So um, yeah. Yeah. With a generalized epilepsy, the epilepsy onset is very kind of like widespread and multi-variant. Uh, and with a vocal epilepsy, it's, it's kind of specific to one region of the brain and it can spread. So, yeah, um, with regards to, you know, how that that seizures, they those seizures can appear and develop. It's, um, you yeah, know, some people will um, experience like a, what they refer to as a seizure warning or an aura. And um, they often describe feelings of heightened anxiety, panic. Um, some people describe a sensation in their stomach that rises. Other people feel like a tingling in one of their limbs, which then progresses. Um, and you know, for some people, that they get that warning, and um, that can quickly progress to a tonic seizure. Um, in other people, um, that warning can progress to a, uh, like a, a, a an absence where. They um, may may or may may not be aware. If they if if their seizure experience, they can pop. In some cases, feel like they're a bit disorientated, a bit confused. They might not be aware of their surroundings, Um, and yeah, that can last for several seconds to minutes. And again, it can progress or to the point that they are completely blank and absent. So they may still be staring. Um, but um, that people um, talking to them will not be aware whether or not they can hear or not and in some cases they'll be able, if they having a seizure with retained awareness then they will have some awareness but they will never be able to respond but on the outside they will look like uh, they are completely blank and as that progresses if they are completely blank then you know they will either um, yes we' could you know, potentially collapse to the floor because of, of how the absence has progressed and then have a tonic-clonic seizure um, or um, it can just subside. Um, so, yeah, you've got the, the tonic-clonic seizure at the severest form, which can you know, progress very rapidly, and then you've got those other uh, kind of absences with or without awareness, plus the orders, which is generally can be the kind of spectrum of, um, you know, the seizure
0: fascinating thank you so much for explaining that i never realized myself as someone who suffers from epilepsy that there was such a broad spectrum um and there really is isn't there i think we often assume many people assume that you know epilepsy is the most severest form so what you mentioned there people fall into the floor and, and and you know muscle jerking and all of that kind of thing but it isn't it can be very very mild in some cases and you know it can manifest as Creepy déjà vu, as I've heard one gentleman describe
1: his epilepsy. That's right. So very, very different. Yes, yeah. yeah, so and, and and to an extent, that's the um, uh, one of the, the challenges is is recognition because everybody associates epilepsy with the severest form, the seizure, the tonic tonic seizure, the the, the violent shaking of the limbs, and not realizing that uh, there are other forms which can go unnoticed. And if someone experiences this, these symptoms such as an absence might not even realise that that was a seizure and can go undiagnosed for years. Um, so, and then even myself, I could be working alongside someone with, with epilepsy and not realise it because they could be um, you know, working away at their computer and f- from my perspective look like they're just working away at their computer, you know, touching their, their mouse or just rubbing their arm because um, you know, I would be otherwise unaware. Um, but that individual will be experiencing a seizure um, and if I'm for example their manager I could be um, asking them to do some work and you know come back in an hour it's not been done yeah what's happened yeah. <laughs> you look like you're working here <laughs> so uh, in some uh, respects yeah that's that's the, the challenge that uh, people with epilepsy abs- who have experienced the absences and it's not recognised Face because sometimes they don't want to mention it to their employers because of you know perhaps um, stigma concern that it might affect their role their
0: performance. One one of the things you said there, which I picked up on, was like it can go in some people for many years as an undiagnosed condition because people just are unfortunately unable to articulate how it feels so that the doctors understand what it is. But I've heard through my chats with, with patients with epilepsy, that sometimes instead of being undiagnosed, they get misdiagnosed. So the majority, the, the, the amount of people I've spoken to that have perhaps been described as antidepressants, um, prescribe those kind of pills to uh, alleviate what is what, what clinicians sometimes confuse with a mental health condition because it's not your tonic-clonic seizures. It's more of a mild, weird sensation that people just can't describe
1: yeah so um, yeah so um, our, our service does what's called a first seizure clinic and um, yeah, in that service we see people who have, have had a seizure and we are investigating to find out the cause of it. and um, in, in some cases um, some people will have had a seizure following a faint um, and that seizure may have, may have occurred because um, sometimes when somebody faints, the, the person tries to catch them and mm. in that respect it doesn't allow the blood to go back to the head and sometimes they'll have a shaking episode because of that lack of blood supply to the head whereas if they were allowed to just faint they might not have had the, the seizure so yeah some people have collapses which end up manifesting as a seizure but it's not actually an epileptic seizure right? and, and it's just a, um, a faint and, and in other cases here yeah, with regards to uh, the the um, yeah, the mental health side of things um, yeah, uh, there is a um, yeah, uh, what's what's called a, a functional seizure where um, an individual experiences a seizure secondary to you know, potentially extreme stress, extreme anxiety, extreme trauma. And um, yeah, people who are who struggle to manage uh, their um, mental illness or their mental health can have uh, experiences of feeling disorientated, feeling dissociated, um, and Um, yeah, that will not be, let's say, if we were to capture that on an EEG, that would not be recognised as an epileptic seizure, and it would probably be associated as a dissociative dissociative seizure or or functional seizure, um, non-epileptic seizure. And, um, yeah, the, the treatment of functional seizures tends to be um, there can be some medications that may or may not benefit such as you know managing uh, the anxiety with antidepressants or antipsychiatric medications and um, probably say that the mainstay treatment at the moment um, appears to be cbt cognitive um, mm. the behavioral therapy, in managing your stresses managing your anxiety so mm. you don't start the day at a 12 out of 10 yeah <laughs>
0: so
1: because if you start your day at 12 out of time with stress and then you've still got to go out uh, and you still got to go work, you've still got all those pressures, then, yeah, so, yeah, I would definitely suggest in that respect people to try and, you know, um, embrace um, cognitive behavioural therapy or any behavioural therapy to help with their mental health. Um, of course, yeah. It's, it's not for everybody, but cognitive behavioural therapy is hard because it's trying to yeah. teach you to view things, do things in a way that um, perhaps you didn't think about before, and it's hard to change. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, yeah. I don't think it can hurt, can it? I think with epilepsy, again, from my own experience, it's such a uncontrollable condition. There's so much uncertainty associated with it. And I think uncertainty in a lot of people's minds can lead to anxiety naturally. And I think it does. And yeah. so I think that's where cognitive behaviour therapy can really come in and work, really work in adjacent um, as a complementary treatment to epilepsy, as well as, of course, the the prescribed medication, which I want to talk about now, actually. So the medications, Jonathan, yeah. um, you've explained the varying types of epilepsy. So when a neurologist or a consultant is prescribing anti-epileptic medication, does it depend on what type of seizure is present presenting itself in that individual as to what type of medication they will be prescribed?
1: Yeah, um, yeah pretty much it does yeah so um you know how we prescribe medications to people with epilepsy is being widely researched and you know some members of the team at the national are you know on um committees with what's called the, the national institute for uh, Central excellence nice guidelines um and in that respect we are looking at diagnosing uh people with with epilepsy classifying their seizures so identifying what type of epilepsy they have and in that Context, we are able to prescribe them the right medications. For example, somebody with a generalized tonic–tonic epilepsy um, would uh, probably require uh, first-line treatment would be um, sodium valproate. Um, in in boys and men, and and girls under 10, or any girl woman who's unable to have children, um, and if, for example, there is a woman. Above 10, who can have children, then the, the uh, option would be to have um, uh, lamotrigine Le or levetiracetam as the the first line. Um, so it very much depends on the, the type of epilepsy, um, and at the moment um, valproate is. Um, uh, uh, has been reviewed by the MRHA, um, the, the like the medication board that uh, advises us, and we are currently uh, reviewing the the requirement of Valprate in in men now um, because of the uh, kind of like the, the effects, the, the potential neurodevelopmental effect it can have on a, on our a unborn. But um, yeah, I would still suggest that that uh, Valprate medication is given, and any um, kind of like. Discussions with regards to medications and any concerns with Valparate to, to continue because Valparate is a very effective medication in treating epilepsy.
0: And for those people that don't know what Valparate is, apologies for interrupting there, Jonathan, but that's known as Epilim as well, isn't it?
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah, Epilim. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: is it one of the oldest medications now, but to your point, one of the most effective?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been used in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah it's yeah, to an extent there are some people who uh, will be of childbearing age and you know their epilepsy is so severe that they will still opt to take the treatment yeah um, and that's where we do the consent form the prevent form to you know go through the risks and you know really um, help uh, the patients make an informed decision yeah um, yeah and then again, if someone's got for example a um, a vocal uh, epilepsy, uh, with or without evolution to the bilateral tonic uh, seizure, then yeah, the well, some of the first-line treatments is something like the modafinil, levetiracetam, and if su- unsuccessful, we then look at other alternatives plus add-ons, and we go through the list. And essentially, you know, whether someone stays on a medication after that is, and what happens next is depending on how effective medication is, and whether or not um, it's it's tolerable. And um, and again, in terms of seizure control, tolerability, and seizure freedom, I guess it's uh, majority of medic anti-seizure medications come with side effects, and the management of the side effects is one of our uh, kind of like balances that we, we discuss with patients, and um, yeah, some people are, are tolerate medications better than others, um, others experience. Uh, are more sensitive to medications, so it's very variety, there's, there's a large variety of of the how medication is tolerated, and it's difficult to determine why some people tolerate it more than others. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it is a it's a challenge, but it's something that we we do manage. And when we are starting medications, we yeah, I've I all I tend to always. Yeah, encourage the patient as much as possible. Persevere with this medication because mm. you've this is this is an option here. It could be one of your last options. Um mm. or it could have been one of one of your previous options. Uh, in some cases I wouldn't say don't try a previous medication because if you didn't tolerate a medication before, it might be because your previous medication, let's say, burden was a bit different. So yeah. um yeah, tolerance is, is is very much a, a challenge of, with the medications, um, but if someone can persevere with the medication, then uh, it's it's to their benefit as much as possible.
0: Of course, yeah. I think I think it's really interesting what you say about the side effects of these drugs. I've taken a number of anti-epileptic drugs in my time, and. the the, you know the side effects have been very different from one versus another and also compared to other people that are taking the same drug i remember i had the worst experience with a a drug called lamotrigine yeah i had a really really horrific experience where i was just like i was taking speed and i was i was up all night i just literally couldn't sleep so i quickly came off that drug.
1: yeah i i do hear people saying that that one can uh, affect their sleep yeah
0: Yeah, interesting people's experiences of these drugs. And we're all different. We're all going to have different tolerance levels. One thing I wanted to ask you, talking about tolerance levels, we quite often hear about people with epilepsy having taken a drug for a number of years, and it's been really effective, it's working, it's controlling the seizures to a manageable condition. And then it starts not to work and become so effective. How much of that is down to us as humans and our neurobiology, getting used to that drug and therefore it not being as effective as it once was, is that a thing?
1: Um, Yeah I do experience a lot of um, individuals uh, mentioning that oh yeah this medication has made me seizure free for 8 years and then suddenly there's um, they might start experiencing the auras or the absences before the tonic tonics and um, yeah, I find that um, if if someone is, let's say, in some cases enabled to... If, if their condition is recognised at early, early stage and they're treated as soon as possible, the, the, the chance of seizure freedom is relatively yeah, high. And um, the longer somebody has uh, epilepsy and it remains uncontrolled, those pathways that, estab- that enable the epilepsy, the seizures to occur, are fairly well established. And yeah, you can start a medication to... Uh, help with the seizure control, it can be f- fantastic, and somehow the, the, the body finds a way of rerouting those, those pathways to uh, mm-hmm. enable the seizure. Um, we've got millions of uh, nerve cells, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that is reported a lot. And yeah, to some extent, it's, I, I, yeah, it's not surprising because, where, for example, when somebody has a stroke affecting their right side of their head and they can't move their left arm. They, um, you know, it, at some point they start to move the arm again because though they, they start that like, brain being damaged, they those pathways then re and with physiotherapy, they can move it again. So, unfortunately, it works in the opposite way of epilepsy. You manage to take a medication to help control the seizures, but those pathways do reemerge. Um, and again, why that happens, it's, I guess, very, very widely, um, under on, on the research um yeah.
0: that's really interesting though isn't it the brain is such a clever organ that it can find a way around the medication to to, to you know to make the epilepsy present itself again. continuing with the theme i think of of medication what i've also heard as well is people that take certain medications and then perhaps the brand of that medication changes and they'll from that start to experience epilepsy again or seizures coming through just because of the brand of medication has changed is that something that you've come across before
1: um so yeah i I do find um individuals do mention that when they take a different brand um i'd say in most cases they are affected by side effects um so the i'd say the brand um is the medication, in most cases, is, is still effective. Their the seizures are still controlled, um, but the side effects mm-hmm. are less tolerable. So, for example, if somebody takes a different version of levetiracetam, brand, in particular, that's one that springs to mind. They, you know, they can experience a bit more deterioration in their mood um, and become a bit more irritable, a bit more angry, um, and yeah, in some and other medications such as maybe Clobazam um, some people have reported when they take that in a different form that they have experienced increasing their seizures um, um, and again yeah there's there's potentially substances in those that you know, i'm I'm not pharmaceutical uh, i'm not I'm not fully aware of what's in the products, but you know people do report it and as much as possible we we strongly encourage gps to prescribe the the same brand that that um, individual is is tolerating Mm. and gets on with and is effective so yeah whenever someone contacts us with that issue we very much ask the gp to facilitate it as much as possible
0: and that's something patients can request as well isn't it to stay on brand i.e stick with the pharmaceutical provider who's manufacturing those products and 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 stay on brand yeah fantastic thank you so we've talked a lot about the particular medications that can support people with epilepsy in your opinion and with your experience what lifestyle um changes or implementations can people make that will really help and encourage um, and support their epilepsy
1: so yeah with regards to lifestyle factors i yeah i strongly encourage um um you yeah. The people I speak to to recognize what uh, triggers your seizures. Are there um, things that you can self manage that will make your seizures better rather than you needing to take more medication? Um, For example, yeah, some people recognize that um, tiredness is is a big factor. So, as much as possible, you know, ensure good sleep hygiene, good sleep routine, um, avoid um, certain late night activities which is just going to affect your ability to sleep. Some people recognize that light is a, a factor that can trigger seizures, so they'll tend to go out with their sunglasses on. Um, and and uh, yeah, with regards to alcohol, if, if alcohol is something that definitely triggers, I'll probably say alcohol is a, is, a, is a significant seizure trigger. And as much as possible, if you identify that or if your seizures are uh, not very well controlled, then consider reducing alcohol consumption. Um mm. Other other factors that um uh you know, other other things that I would suggest is um yeah, exercise and and also I'd say Mm you know, not overdoing things. Exercise but don't over exercise. Yeah. Carry on working if you can work, but don't overwork. Recognise when you're getting tired doing activity at work. Um, because some people do find that their seizures can be triggered during sustained periods of concentration, um, and you know, if you recognise that that is the case, uh, So if you recognise that after 45 minutes of sustained concentration, you might have a seizure, then reduce that length or whatever you identify. Yeah, you know, give yourself some mini breaks, and if you've got an, a manager or an employer, then you know, have a word with them. Uh, be a bit more open about your condition so that uh, they can support you
0: that's really good advice i think recognizing the triggers is a really really interesting one because again the triggers can be so different i mean i think some of yeah. them will be the same sleep good diet exercise they're, they're the things that we all need right to thrive and to, to be well but uh with epilepsy there are there are little varying ones i think that different people would will, will need yeah. And what I'd encourage, and I don't know whether you'd agree, is keep, keeping some sort of diary to understand perhaps what is the trigger, what makes you have seizures at certain times. For me, it was a weird one. It was when I used to do mathematical equations and too many of them. And I noticed that cause I worked in a bank and, and when I've moved away from it, um, they, they just seem to calm down a bit. And it's because when I spoke to my neurologist, my my epilepsy was emanating from an area that was in and around the, the area of the brain that was responsible for mathematical equations. So it, it, we're all just so different, aren't we, in our journey of epilepsy? That's right, yeah.
1: Yeah, I've, I've spoken to a few people who, who work in computers, and when they're doing these fine... Like, one, one chap has the seizures become an issue when he's trying to put a keyboard together. So he's doing fine, minute stuff, and he'll have a myclonic jerk when... And then, yeah, during sustained period of doing that little bits of work, it it becomes an Mm -hmm. issue. So um, and again, when when something starts affecting your work, you can get um, a bit concerned about it and a bit stressed. And then that can build and build and build and make the situation worse. So that's why I say just take a moment and stop and rest. And because sometimes just having that moment is enough. Um, to, you know, to to pre- prevent things in some occasions. I think you're
0: absolutely right. I think perhaps one of the reasons that people don't is because, I don't know whether so much now, but certainly years ago, there was stigma associated with epilepsy. And I think people, and, and I was even told when I was younger, don't expect too much from your life. Don't compare it to your friends because you won't achieve as much as they can with your epilepsy. And so I think there's almost an innate behavior with people with epilepsy where they want to prove everyone else wrong and themselves as well they just want to keep on going and persevering and being resilient and ignoring the the warning signs so i think that's a thing as well with people with epilepsy and so what would you say to those people that have grown up with that stigma that belief perhaps that epilepsy will prevent them from doing things um and so they have this stoic attitude of keep going what would you say to those in terms of being kinder to themselves
1: yeah, I would, um, you know, just just encourage them to, you know, recognise their, um, their value that they bring, you know, um, and it's it's very important that you stay in touch with people. You don't isolate yourself. Don't, um, you know, don't be uh, embarrassed by your condition. And, and being open, you know, you'd be surprised at how many people uh, would would be willing to help.
0: I mean, people still struggle, don't they, to tell their employer and, and even friends and family members about their condition because they perhaps don't understand it themselves. But I think with epilepsy, communication is everything. So would you encourage the communication within, like, work, within friends and family members of of explaining how the person with epilepsy is feeling? Would you always encourage that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would definitely encourage it. It's, it's something that I, you know, you know suggest... Um, to uh, the individuals when I when i 'm speaking to them in clinic and you know i i'm often writing supporting letters um, to enable them to you know speak to their managers to ask their management to perhaps refer to occupational health so that they can be given flexible you know working adjustments or reasonable adjustments, for example, like we mentioned earlier having more frequent bakes. You know, if if you're a bit open about your condition, people will be a bit more understanding as to why you might not have got that work done that they was expecting uh, to be completed. Um, and yeah, I think it's very important that um, individuals with epilepsy are open about their condition, so that it raises awareness and it's epilepsy is not just associated with yeah, the severest form and. Uh, you know, by remaining in work, by remaining in contact with society, you are um, demonstrating, you know, what you're capable of. And I speak to so many people that um, are are desperate to stay in in employment, and they want to work. You know, they don't want to not work. Um, and when they um, experience stresses at work, or they are under pressure by their manager, um, or they have got an unsupported manager, that in turn uh, leads to a lot of anxiety a lot of stress which then increases seizures that person then loses their job and their financial support so um, it's very important for the individual to be very open but it's it's also extremely important that the employers are um, supportive of their uh, employees with epilepsy so that they can stay in, in employment and they can progress in their career um and you know to an extent maybe government need to be a, uh, a bit more i say maybe perhaps a bit more a few more government legislations which will enable um businesses to employ people with epilepsy if if, if it's required yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah absolutely i mean the conditions is it I'm, I'm assuming it's under the disability discrimination act currently is it Yeah
1: yeah yeah it is so reasonable adjustments should be made yeah and to the extent i don't know how many private firms do have occupational health but they they should have um those facilities but yeah there too. two i'll probably say there's too many people i speak to that don't have access to that um and need it hence why i will send a supporting letter but cannot guarantee where it will go i know some supporting letters have still meant that that person's lost their job and it's sad because i just see um, the individual um, in some ways deteriorating because of yeah some of the things that have, have have unfortunately happened with their careers at the same time epilepsy the importance of taking medication in epilepsy is is so that we can control the seizures if we don't achieve seizure freedom we are controlling the seizures so that the long-term effects associated with epilepsy i.e. the cognitive effects that can impact on someone for example their memory their cognitive abilities and you know, epilepsy causes like short-term lapses in it but as well over a long term memory becomes i probably say memory is, a, is, is the biggest issue that i hear people complain of um, especially the longer that they, they, they have it um and Some medicines may exacerbate the memory, but still the underlying cause is the epilepsy and the control of it. Um, And again, when it comes to um, seizure control, some people tolerate it better than others. Um, And I find that in particular with the elderly um, and uh, uh, individuals with learning disabilities or or any difficulties with communicating. Um, Because if I'm going to speak to a person in clinic who can converse with me very well, they are very good at articulating what they experience. So they might be somebody who had a tonic-clonic seizure and um, they've got this medication which is very effective. It either stops their tonic-clonic seizures altogether and they they don't have experience anything. Other people will take medication for their tonic-clonic seizure and they start to experience, like I mentioned earlier, a reduction in uh, the tonic-clonics, but they might have a few more absences. And they'll say, you know, i never had an absence before. And so some people will experience new uh, seizure feelings post um, uh, taking medication. And yeah, some people can say that, right, um, I'm experiencing less seizures, but I'm feeling a bit more anxious. I'm feeling a bit more heightened anxiety. I'm having fluctuations in it a bit more often. And in some cases, more medicine can help that. Um, And in some cases, if somebody's on a lot of medications on max treatment, um, they can literally be stuck there, and you know, stuck in a, a, a period of having fluctuations in their uh, auras. Um, and if you've got someone like that who can't tell you what they're going through, like somebody with yeah. epilepsy, or with, with their own disabilities, or an elderly patient with dementia or cognitive de- decline, you know, that will probably be demonstrated or visualised in, in behavioural issues. You know, they will become a more uptight, a bit more stressed. Um, mm. And, yeah, that that becomes a bit of a challenge to make because, again, the worst in behaviour becomes associated with the antidecision medication um, when, it might, when, it, when it might not be.
0: Mm, makes sense, doesn't it? So I think what I'm hearing from, from, from what you said just there is communication with your clinician, with your neurologist, is also key because epilepsy changes. We know that, from what you said earlier... You might have been on one drug for a, a number of years, which could be working perfectly fine. And then the epilepsy will find a way to manifest itself again because the brain's a clever thing. So it's just about that contingent process of communicating with your neurologist about your medication, how you're feeling, maybe just keeping a diary and just keeping connected with people around you. Because it can be a very isolating condition, can't it, epilepsy? Yeah. I certainly found it very isolating um, in my younger years before I discovered Charities like Epilepsy Society and various other ones, but what would you say to people, Jonathan, that have epilepsy and are feeling perhaps isolated at the moment or like there is no hope for them? What would you say to those people
1: at a personal level and a professional level, speaking from somebody who have has their or, or I have my own um, you know health issues which in mm-hmm. some cases has same fluctuations that can be worsened by the same triggers of epilepsy. So, uh, I'd say to individuals that you know, re- you know, rec- recognize your your worth. You know, you're you are a very important person, and um, mm-hmm. you know you might not realize it. But I'll just ref- I make reference to like um, two two films. One film is a is a film called uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, it's, it's a Christmas movie. And it's, a, it's about a a a chap who. Um, he, he feels suicidal um, and he's basically touched by an angel and that angel allows him to see his life if he wasn't in it if he wasn't in that if he wasn't around he got to see what other people's lives were without him so in this case he saved his young brother's life when he fell into a lake um, and you know his brother went on to uh, be a, a World War Two bomber who saved a lot of British people so he saved saved 20,000 people um, and when he's seen uh, his life without him being around, obviously his brother wasn't there because his brother died in the in the lake. So your presence, as, as little as you feel like uh, you have, is, is important and can have a profound impact. Beyond you, you can never know. Um, so, you know, you being around means that your mum uh, or dad is, you know, yeah is able to do what they do and that is love you care for you yeah your your care your your loved ones are think uh, a lot of you so yeah and another film that mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of like, like to make reference to is the sound of metal and this um is a, a film on amazon prime and that uh, film is based on a, a drummer who becomes deaf in that film he's struggling to come to terms with becoming deaf and he's doing everything he can to hear again. He wants to hear again. And he saves up this money to get himself a device so that he can hear. And it isn't what he expected. And when you're listening to what he he can hear, it sounds dreadful, sounds awful. And he himself absolutely hates it. And it gets to a point in the film where he switches it off. And everything is quiet. And I just felt I've never... I've never loved peace and quiet so much, and, and I'd say for that is acceptance, accept what you have, make the most of each day, because no matter how bad you think epilepsy is, there's probably someone who's got it worse right now, and make the most of each day, and don't get yourself concerned and uptight about what's going to happen if I take this medication, um, or, or not. Sometimes, if you get yourself uptight and anxious about what's going to happen with side effects, you end up stuck. Um, And if you are able to, you know, focus on a day at a time, right? I'll take this medication today and I've tolerated it. Fantastic. I'll take it tomorrow. No problems. Take it two weeks later. You're continuing on a day to day basis and you can keep, um, you know, when you think to yourself, I've got these side effects, I'm going to have these forever. It does become. Oh, I don't want this medication anymore. So, yes. if if you can, you know, take a day at a time, um, accept um, the condition, and acknowledge that I might not be seizure free, or I have got seizure freedom, and and appreciate where where you are with it, and make the most of of it.
0: I think that's great advice you've just given there, um, Jonathan, with some great. Great recommendations for two very profound films. Only one of those I've seen, so I think tonight I might watch the drummer one. I've heard really good things about that film. Just finally, before you go, because I know I'm keeping you, um, in terms of the resources and support that people can get from either yourself, your team, or anywhere else in the country, what would you say the main resources and support areas would be?
1: OK, in terms of a service that um, we run, we have a we have an advice line. Um, which we are, we've got one advice line which our secretary uh, is um, manning for us. Um, We've made some adjustments in trying to improve access to our services. Um, And I hope some of those adjustments are felt by um, the patients that I care of. Um, And obviously, bear in mind that we are continuing to try and improve it. Um, And we are prioritising people the most urgent Um, and so yeah in terms of the services that we provide we've got our advice line outside of us you've got the epilepsy um, charities that provide support for um, individuals who want to discuss their condition Um, if you know somebody's ever feeling really low um, in their mood they have suicidal thoughts there's the you know samaritans there's the mind charities to contact and again if really struggling you can contact our advice line yes support groups try to um, link in with people who also have the condition to identify ways that you know, they're managing their condition which might help you
0: yeah I think there's a lot of value in connecting with people that might be going through a similar experience with the condition well jonathan thank you so much like it's honestly been a pleasure i've learned um so much from you i learned so much from that time as well and i could literally talk to you all day so thank you Um, honestly i think people are going to get a lot from this it's a pleasure oh goodness me what a knowledgeable guy it was an absolute pleasure to interview jonathan and hear all about the work he does to support people with epilepsy hope you enjoyed it take care and tune in next time when i'll be joined by another special guest